Are you ready to revolutionize the way you enjoy food and essentials at home? Introducing DashPass from DoorDash, your ultimate ticket to convenience and savings. With DashPass, you gain exclusive access to unlimited $0 delivery fees on eligible orders, along with members-only deals and discounts that will leave your wallet smiling. Whether you're craving the flavors of your favorite restaurants, need groceries from across town, or anything in between, DashPass ensures that everything you need is just a few clicks away, delivered right to your door. With DashPass, not only do you enjoy $0 delivery fees, but you'll also benefit from lower service fees on eligible orders, making it the most affordable way to satisfy your cravings and stock up on essentials from your local favorites. What I really love is how quickly DashPass pays for itself. On average, it takes just two orders, which makes it a no-brainer investment for your budget. And as if that weren't enough, DashPass grants you special access to exclusive promotions and menu items, adding an extra layer of excitement to your DoorDash experience. You get all this for only $9.99 a month, which is a small price to pay for unlimited convenience and savings. My family and I have had DoorDash for the past year or so, and while I make most meals at home, I don't know that I could mom without it. I used it twice just this past week while we were dealing with a stomach bug at home, and it was so nice to have and to be able to focus on getting better and not running all over town to pick everything up for everyone. Don't wait. Sign up for DashPass now and unlock a world of possibilities, all from the comfort of your home. DashPass from DoorDash, delivering joy, convenience, and savings straight to your doorstep. Get more from delivery for less with DashPass. $0 delivery fees and reduced service fees on eligible DoorDash orders. Sign up for DashPass today and get your first 30 days free if you're a new member. Subject to change. Terms apply. Open the door to $0 delivery fees and savings you can't get anywhere else. Sign up for DashPass today, only on DoorDash, and get your first 30 days free if you're a new member. Subject to change, terms apply. Hey guys, and welcome to Moms and Murder, a true crime podcast featuring myself, Mandy, and my dear friend, Melissa. Hi, Melissa. Hi, Mandy. How are you? I'm doing great. I was just thinking, like, you don't say old Melissa anymore. It's just turned into dear, and I feel like maybe our relationship's grown. Maybe it has. Maybe Maybe it hasn't. (laughs) Maybe I'll go back to saying dear old Melissa. There you go. I just felt bad because... Allie Sweeney pointed out to you that you called me old and she would not stand for it. And maybe that's what happened. Maybe that's why I stopped. So welcome back to part two of our episode on the murder of Robert Lamone. Last week, we left off with somewhat of a cliffhanger ending with the detectives working hard to find any leads that would help them solve this case. One of the last things we talked about was the day of the murder and how Sabrina and Jonathan Hearn felt like they were sitting pretty, really, with no police suspicion on them. But in a twist, Sabrina's good friends Kelly and Jason Bernatine had contacted authorities to inform them of the affair that Jonathan and Sabrina had been having. So to start this week off, we're going to talk a little bit about what led to Kelly and Jason making the choice to work with the detectives. So if you haven't listened to part one of this story yet, then shut this off and go back to last week's episode. And then also come back to this one because it gets really good. Yeah. 
So just two weeks following Rob's murder, uh, Jonathan visited Sabrina and brought her a huge bouquet of flowers. And they just so happened to be the same kind of flowers that Sabrina had in her wedding bouquet. That doesn't even make sense. No. You'd want to distance yourself no. from that relationship right. entirely. Yeah, that doesn't really make any sense. Um, so he also brought her a handwritten note that talked all about how great of a guy Rob was and how he wants to be just like him. <laughs> I literally I didn't have words. I know. I My head was just bobbing around. <laughs> this makes no sense. No. Mm-mm. He was a great guy. So. You could have been like him before. And like. Not killed anybody. could have still been him. Yeah. You know. We could have had two of them. Right. Exactly. You can aspire to be like someone. And not literally want to take over their place in the world. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's sick. But it's also bizarre to write this letter to his wife saying what a great guy he was after you killed him. Right, right. That does not make any sense at all. I don't know who thought that made any sense. Him. Um, It was him. (laughs) So Sabrina thought this was lovely, and she gushed to her friend Kelly over it, and Kelly wasn't really a fan of any of this. I love Kelly. I love Kelly, too. She said it made her physically sick and filled her with some kind of disgust and rage, and she had to tell her husband, Jason, like, I don't know what to do. Um, Sabrina's gone off her rocker and thinks that Jonathan is being sweet by doing these yeah. these very inappropriate gestures. Very early on. Very I mean, early on. Yeah. So around the same time, uh, Jonathan actually called Jason and left a strange voicemail. So he, in this voicemail, he was apologizing to Jason and Kelly. Why? I don't have a clue. Uh, but he was saying that he was sorry for the hurt he caused them and he wanted to, again – get right with God. And so he wanted to make this right. And um, he was just very sorry. And I think at one point in that message, he even said something about um, he was down on his knees begging for forgiveness. And so Kelly and Jason were like, for what? Like, what? Yeah. You know, at this point, they don't know Mm -hmm. that he had anything to do with the murder um, or really even suspect it at this time. So because of all of that, though, like because of the strange voicemail and the fact that Jonathan was like taking over Rob's life and yeah. and really like courting Sabrina at right. this point. They thought all of it was definitely inappropriate, but maybe the detectives might want to know about some of yeah. this. Yeah. Well, so. they they don't really have any leads, so you're if you're a friend, you're just like, "Well, this is weird. Right. I'll give you this one thing. I I doubt it's anything, but here you go. Right. There's something." Right. So that's exactly what they did. So unbeknownst to Sabrina and Jonathan, a wiretap had been approved on their phones and Detective Meyer had begun surveillance on them, which included listening in on their phone conversations in real time. That has to be so both exciting and stressful to be a detective listening to all of that. Meyer listened to hundreds of hours of conversation about the plans the couple believed God had for them and their future together. Every time, it just kills me um, the way these two actually thought that like they were doing something good. Yeah. Or right. They had to do this one thing to get to the good stuff. Right. This was, yeah, they had to go through this hurdle and this bad thing, but it was all going to be worth it in the end because this was God's plan, which just isn't how it works. It's never God's plan for you to murder someone. (laughs) No, it's just not. One thing that's great about this story is that Detective Meyer had a bit of fun with them by doing what they called tickling the wire, which is essentially giving suspects something to talk about while the police are listening in. If you're bored listening to them, you're like, here's something. No, I'm just kidding. But to get them into conversation about these these things, like kind of feeding them. 
to uh, have these conversations. He used his tactic several times to try to get incriminating conversations between the two of them. In one instance, Meyer told Sabrina that they had found possible DNA in connection with the case. It was a ruse, but Sabrina immediately called Jonathan to talk to him about it, and the two of them were clearly worried about it. Jonathan even appeared to know that police commonly use a ruse in their investigation and even told Sabrina that he believed the police could be lying to them. So I will say Jonathan was pretty smart. Like He, he was very intelligent. Very intelligent. He did plan all this stuff out. You can still be smart and still be make terrible decisions. You right. can use your, your knowledge for evil, obviously. In another instance, Detective Meyer told Sabrina that they were hitting a dead end in the investigation, which was also untrue as they were actively investigating both Sabrina and Jonathan. Once again, he listened in as Sabrina called Jonathan and discussed how they believed they were, quote, in the clear and the cops weren't on to them at all. You know, the cops have to love this because they're like, hang up on the phone. They're like, here it comes, here it comes, here it yep. comes. And then you, you're watching it happen. There was uh, one recorded phone call that really made me cringe. I don't know if you remember this one. They played it in the Dateline, and it was when Jonathan called Sabrina, and he was like, good morning, my lover. And she was like, well, good morning. (laughs) So I can't take that. I hate that word, and I think I've said this joke before, but it reminds me of on 30 Rock. The only time lover should be used is in between the words meat and pizza. (laughs) (laughs) It's the only time it doesn't make me uncomfortable. I absolutely agree. So many conversations that the pair were having involved prayer and talking about how they felt like the worst people in the world. Good idea. In another attempt to tickle the wire, Detective Meyer text messaged a surveillance photo of a man on a motorcycle near the crime scene. Uh, It was actually at a gas station uh, to Sabrina while she was on the phone with Jonathan. So now he's taking it a step further, Detective Meyer, and he's like, I'm going to actually send her something while she's already talking to him and see. I mean, I can see how this would be fun game for detectives to play. I would think so if it was me. Um, It has to be probably not a game because it is their job. Murder. I I didn't mean it to say it's a game. But it has to be super exciting. Yeah. Like an adrenaline rush. Like satisfying. You know what's going to happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, as soon as this came in and she saw it, she immediately read the text message to Jonathan and his immediate reaction was to start praying for God to help him. Yeah. But what did he say there? Didn't he say, um, please help me be free or something like that? It was something to please help me live free. That's what it was. pray to God to help you get away with murder. I don't understand why he thought, I mean. No, that's. You at this point, you have to pay. You have to pay your the whatever consequences. Happens, right? Yeah, you can pray and, for and all turn kinds yourself of things. In, please. Yeah, yeah. So Sabrina and Jonathan compared their relationship to that of David and Bathsheba in the Bible. So for those who don't know how the story goes, this is a very Mandy and Melissa telling of the story of David and Bathsheba. So King David, King of Israel, uh, he there was a war going on, and he spots Bathsheba up on the rooftop bathing. Her husband is away at war, but he decides, even though she's married, that he wants to be with her. So he calls her to him, and she agrees to go, and they sleep together, and uh uh-oh, she becomes pregnant. So obviously you can't really have that. Uh, you know, husband is away at war. and He's not married to her. This is Bible He's not times. married to her, exactly. So this is not a good situation for the two of them. Right. So his solution, King David's solution, is that he's going to call to have Bathsheba's husband come back. And the plan is that while they're spending a night together, Bathsheba will sleep with her husband. So then when the word of her pregnancy breaks, 
it will be fine. He was home. She will have a, a, a reason to be pregnant, basically, right. a legitimate reason to be pregnant. Well, her husband doesn't want to do it. He won't sleep with her. He feels bad because there's a war going on, and he says, not going to do it. So King David didn't like that very much, and he was like, well, I guess I have no other choice now, but I'm going to send you back into war on the front line, and you're going to be killed. So essentially, he sent him to his death. Yeah. Basically to cover up this. What he's done. Yes, what he's done. So that's that story. So this is what Jonathan and Sabrina are comparing themselves to. They're saying that um, even though, you know, especially Jonathan more so because he's like, you know, this is a story that reminds me of our relationship and God will forgive me for doing this because that's what happened in this case in the Bible. So basically he's in his own head justifying murdering Rob by saying – this is all going to work out. Like, right. I'm going to be fine, you know? Are you ready to revolutionize the way you enjoy food and essentials at home? Introducing DashPass from DoorDash, your ultimate ticket to convenience and savings. With DashPass, you gain exclusive access to unlimited $0 delivery fees on eligible orders, along with members-only deals and discounts that will leave your wallet smiling. Whether you're craving the flavors of your favorite restaurants, need groceries from across town, or anything in between, DashPass ensures that everything you need is just a few clicks away, delivered right to your door. With DashPass, not only do you enjoy $0 delivery Delivery fees, but you'll also benefit from lower service fees on eligible orders, making it the most affordable way to satisfy your cravings and stock up on essentials from your local favorites. What I really love is how quickly DashPass pays for itself. On average, it takes just two orders, which makes it a no-brainer investment for your budget. And as if that weren't enough, DashPass grants you special access to exclusive promotions and menu items, adding an extra layer of excitement to your DoorDash experience. You get all this for only $9.99 a month, which is a small price to pay for unlimited convenience and savings. My family and I have had DoorDash for the past year or so, and while I make most meals at home, I don't know that I could mom without it. I used it twice just this past week while we were dealing with a stomach bug at home, and it was so nice to have and to be able to focus on getting better and not running all over town to pick everything up for everyone. Don't wait. Sign up for DashPass now and unlock a world of possibilities, all from the comfort of your home. DashPass from DoorDash, delivering joy, convenience, and savings straight to your doorstep. Get more from delivery for less with DashPass. $0 delivery fees and reduced service fees on eligible DoorDash orders. Sign up for DashPass today and get your first 30 days free if you're a new member. Subject to change. Terms apply. Open the door to $0 delivery fees and savings you can't get anywhere else. Sign up for DashPass today, only on DoorDash, and get your first 30 days free if you're a new member. Subject to change, terms apply. So at one point, um, Jonathan said, this is in one of the phone calls that um, Detective Meyer is listening into, he said, um, all they have is a dead husband and a guy having an affair. Which is literally the plot of every Dateline episode. Yeah. Right? <laughs> it's so true. That's exactly it. It's the formula. Well, that wasn't all they had because two days later, both Sabrina and Jonathan were arrested. Members of the Wolfpack, including the Bernadines, were delighted, but their joy would be short-lived when they learned that on the day that Sabrina was scheduled to be arraigned, the DA had decided that there was not enough evidence against her to charge her with murder, and she was going to be released. As it would turn out, the best evidence they had against Sabrina was in the hundreds of hours of wiretap calls, but somehow she managed to never mention anything about killing or planning to kill Rob. And during hours of police interrogation, her story also never changed. She maintained that she loved her husband and never wanted him dead or told Jonathan to kill him. By this time, all of Sabrina's friends had turned on her 
Uh, Kelly and Jason were devastated and thought that Sabrina was literally getting away with murder. And they said that nobody in the wolf pack supported her at this point. Nobody took her side. They all thought she was guilty. So things got so bad for Sabrina and her children. Of course, small town. The parents at the kids' schools are staring and pointing and, yeah. you know, everybody's being alienated. Um, so things got so bad that she eventually pulled them out of school to homeschool them before ultimately making a decision to just uproot the whole family and relocate more than 100 miles away. Meanwhile, Jonathan was still back in Silver Lakes awaiting his trial. So months turned into years and Sabrina was living her life pretty much as normal, but a major wrench was thrown into things when two years after Rob's murder, Jonathan broke his silence and told investigators that he wanted to come clean about what had really happened. And he was ready to implicate Sabrina for her part in the crime. In late 2016, with Jonathan's trial just weeks away, his attorney spoke out and said that Jonathan could provide information that would lead to possible prosecution of Sabrina. He admitted that he had been the one to fire the fatal shot at Rob, but alleged that Sabrina helped him to plan and convince him of doing it pretty much every step of the way. Detective Meyer drove 100 miles to Sabrina's new home to arrest her once again. I'm sure that was very satisfying for him. Yeah. Um, And one thing in the Dateline episode, they interviewed Jonathan's sister, who said all along they believed he had nothing to do with this. And so they were in complete shock. Whenever he came out and said, yeah, I did have something to yeah. do with it. They were like his biggest supporters. And then for him to say that, like, really rocked their whole family. Yeah. As it would. Although this may have seemed like a win for Rob's family and friends, it would turn out to be an uphill battle. Truthfully, it was Jonathan's word against Sabrina's, and he had much to gain by throwing her under the bus. In exchange for his testimony against Sabrina, Jonathan would be awarded a lighter sentence, making it so that he would serve less than 25 years and would be released from prison by the time he was 50 years old. This is first degree murder. Yeah, he actually shot the man. And planned it for a while. Like, yeah. you know, this isn't even a crime of passion. This is, I, I've, we've gone through several plots of this. And right. You wore an old man disguise? Yeah. Ugh. There was simply no telling how a jury would look upon his testimony or whether or not they would believe he was telling the full truth or just trying to save himself from a long life in prison. There was no smoking gun. The state's case against Sabrina centered on Jonathan's testimony and Jonathan's testimony only. Jonathan took the stand and spent nearly seven days telling his version of the events. He alleged that he met Sabrina at Costco and never knew she was married until he had already developed strong feelings for her but said that he was always conflicted because having an affair with a married woman felt immoral and went against his Christian belief system. That's like Christianity 101. Yeah. (laughs) Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife. wife. Yeah. (laughs) He just couldn't stop himself because according to him, something about Sabrina was just too irresistible. And it wasn't just about sexual passion. He truly felt he had fallen in love with her. He's saying this on the stand and he's really acting like there was – there may have been something sexual, or there was, but he was just like, this was so much deeper than this. This right. was a We had a connection. special thing. Yeah. Blah, blah, yeah, blah. Yeah, yeah. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Jonathan also claimed that Sabrina had been unhappy in her marriage. And the reason that really led to all of this was because Sabrina and Rob apparently had what they call an open marriage. And uh, that is when <laughs> it's open. You you have relationships usually sexual with other people outside of your marriage. And so Sabrina And it's your partner knows they're aware of it. They are. It's all consensual. It's not a secret. Um, This is what you do. 
So according to Jonathan, Sabrina was not happy in this open marriage, and she felt that her husband kind of objectified her and had no problems passing her off to other men. So Jonathan claimed that this enraged him about Rob, and he said that Sabrina frequently spoke about how much easier their lives would be if Rob just was out of the picture. And once he was gone, the two of them could get married and live happily ever after. And Jonathan- they never watched Dateline? I guess not. Um, but yeah, so the plan was that Jonathan would just raise Rob's children and and I, somehow life would be great. But this is so selfish because you're not thinking of your kids. What's the best situation for your, for your kids? If you're done with Rob, okay, whatever. But your kids, you've already said he's a great father. He loves right. the kids. And what about the kids? They're now- Okay, great. Maybe Jonathan's great to them, but they had their dad. He told the jury about the original plan to poison Rob, as well as other methods they had discussed for how to kill him. And then he told them how they finally arrived at the idea to murder him in person at his job. Jonathan admitted that he was the man limping on the security footage and that he actually had faked the limp to throw police off. He really thought of everything. <laughs> That's back to unusual suspects. Yeah. So he admitted that he knew the affair would be found out and that he would become a suspect, but he trusted that Sabrina would keep her part of the secret since they had planned all of this together and they were in love. So he never for one second thought that Sabrina would ever throw him under the bus or right. tell on him, I guess. Once Jonathan had a chance to tell his story, the defense came in to sabotage it by questioning Jonathan's credibility and pointing out that the only person who benefited from the story was Jonathan himself. Jonathan's attorney fired back, saying that as a man of God, his client felt that maintaining a not guilty plea was dishonest and that it was important for him to tell the truth as part of his attempt to repent for his multiple wrongdoings. But the defense was still not having it. They called a witness named Jennifer to the stand who testified that she had met Jonathan online and had chatted with him through text messages and on the phone. She was also an older woman who relished the attention she was getting from the much younger Jonathan. Allegedly, he had been communicating back and forth with Jennifer at the same time he was carrying on his affair with Sabrina, which the defense used as proof that Jonathan was nothing more than a slick predator who had manipulated and had taken advantage of Sabrina. So that's another thing we didn't really talk about. When they're going into Sabrina's trial, they're kind of trying to paint her as not very bright. Yeah, they're like, well, we'll... Yeah. Like they started playing that card and I was like, okay, enough with that. Um, Like she got on the stand and was like, uh, when I met Jonathan, it was like meeting a human dictionary, which sounds boring as all get out. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds super boring. But it was kind of like they were trying, they were trying to paint her as this like simple person and he's so smart and he can manipulate her and all this stuff. It just made me mad they even took that route. Yeah. As part of Sabrina's defense, her attorneys argued that Sabrina was not only a victim of Jonathan's twisted mind games, but was also a victim of her best friend, Kelly Bernatine. When Kelly was called to the stand, she testified that she and her husband, Jason, had taken part in the open marriage that Rob and Sabrina shared. Evidently, the two couples would join each other in the bedroom, and the defense alleged that Kelly Bernatine had actually fallen in love with Rob Lamone. But Kelly testified that she believes she cared about Rob a lot more than Sabrina ever did, which is just like them are fighting words. I know. It was <laughs> a like. big burn in the middle of the trial. Yeah. In a risky move, the defense called Sabrina to the stand in hopes of giving the jury a more accurate picture of who she was, which I don't know what that was supposed to look like. So on the stand, Sabrina described her relationship with Jonathan, saying that he was extremely intelligent, as Melissa said, a walking dictionary, and that was one of the things that attracted her to him. 
She alleged that Rob had become overly fixated on things like watching porn and having sex, and she no longer felt the close bond that she once had with him, and that she had began to feel guilty about their lifestyle, and perhaps maybe she didn't really want to be in an open marriage anymore. She felt that Jonathan had more to offer her and could provide the type of life she felt she deserved. On the stand, Sabrina said that Jonathan was very spiritually focused and would use his Christian faith to control and manipulate her. She said he carried his Bible everywhere and would often pray for her and with her, which made her feel guilty, but also safe and secure. I feel like they're grasping at straws in that one. Like, it's not like she said he hit her with a Bible. He just, she just, he carried it. And somehow she feels safe and not safe. I didn't really get that. No, but I mean, I guess I can see how you could use something like that as like a manipulation tactic. Yeah. She says she felt conflicted for loving two men at the same time and maintained that she always cared for Rob, even though she had equally strong feelings for Jonathan. She just wanted to have her cake and eat it too. Yeah. That's basically what she said. She was like, I just wanted wanted it all. Sabrina was adamant that she never at any point wanted to give up her life with her husband and children for a new life with Jonathan and said that she had the best of both worlds, as we mentioned. Jonathan was her rock after her husband was killed, and she claimed that she had no idea that Jonathan was the one who had actually committed the murder. Who did she think did it? That that part got me. Who did she think did it? Did she think he hired someone? Yeah. Yeah, there weren't enough questions, I felt like, from her trying to figure out what was going on with her husband's yeah. case. It just seemed like if there was anything, she like called Jonathan in a panic. You know, that just doesn't – it doesn't add up. Yeah. You think like, oh, yeah, they're getting closer. They sent a picture – you know, they might find this guy, and it's not that at all. It's yeah, panic no. and all kinds of stuff. She said under oath that she had never discussed a plan to kill Rob. When questioned about the terms of their open marriage, she was asked why she would have hidden her affair if they had already agreed to allow other people inside of their relationship. Her response was that she did not have permission to see people outside of their wolf pack. So during the closing arguments, Sabrina's attorney reminded the jury that if it weren't for the testimony of a cold-blooded killer, they would have never had enough to make a case against Sabrina in the first place. And he pleaded for them to find her not guilty of the crime. But the prosecuting attorney demanded that Sabrina be held accountable for really letting her husband suffer and be killed. After seven hours of deliberation, the jury found Sabrina guilty of first-degree murder, conspiracy, accessory, and solicitation to commit murder. But... Lucky for her, they did find her not guilty of attempting to poison him. So that's one thing she got away with. Sabrina was sentenced to 25 years to life in prison. She was denied probation and denied the request she made for a new trial. Uh, Rob and Sabrina's children now live with Sabrina's sister, Julie. And just another little update, kind of sad, I guess. But um, Jason and Kelly Bernatine are now divorced. So it just makes you wonder how much of um, that had to do with what happened in this story. Yeah. Because um, I imagine, I mean, that would just be so. Yeah, they seemed, obviously they were very devastated, but if you watch the Dateline, which we'll, like I said, we'll post, um, you just, it, you're, you expect them to be together the whole time. Like, they, it just seems like they yeah. are in the conversation. So it was kind of surprising to hear that. Oh, but this is a very good Manx episode. He's very, I loved his questions he asked and just he seemed a little bewildered during some of this. So yeah, it was good. It was. Well, I mean, the story really, it's. There's just so many layers to it. There is. And there's a lot going on. A lot going on. We say that a lot of times, but there really is. Yeah. (laughs) Guys, we've been lying. And this time there really is a lot going on. But also how crazy that she's getting 25 to life and he's only got 25. 
And really, there isn't there really isn't a lot of evidence to say that she did this. She made a lot of weird mistakes. They obviously they have enough to convict her, but she was she never really quote unquote got caught. I didn't think. No, like, nothing was super like a obvious. Example of how you can still be convicted of murder when you didn't pull the trigger, so to speak. You yeah, know, when for you're sure. not the one who actually committed the murder. You can if you it depends on what kind of part you played in it, you can still be found guilty. And I would feel a lot different if he had said, you know what, I'm going to do the right thing, because that's what he was saying, that he wanted to do the right thing, and said, I will not take a deal. I'll testify against her, but I'm not going to take a deal. Because he did he murdered somebody in cold blood, took away this man's life. At fifty, he can still have a life. Yeah. He can totally still have a life. So I'm not buying that he unfortunately, I really just don't believe he felt that bad. So then you have to kind of wonder like what did she know? I I think she did know it, but you know, I get where the um, the defense, her defense team was saying he, he's getting this deal. Makes yeah. sense to me. Yeah, I agree. So that was our episode on Robert Limone. Um, part two. Part two. Yeah, it's just a sad story. I always hate um, anytime whenever you have like little ones that are losing a parent. Oh yeah. Because of something like so senseless, and you know, it's sad all the time. You know, when a p- child loses a parent, but. This isn't like the same they lose thing both as their an parents. accident. This is like someone deliberately mm-hmm. decided that, you know, your dad didn't need to live anymore. And that's just really heartbreaking. For your mom's happiness, really. Yeah. So before we get out of here for the week, we are going to do last thing before we go. Are you ready, Melissa? I'm ready, Mandy. All right. So um, Maja, I hope Maja. that's how you say your name. Um, she is one of our listeners. She, I think, joined us after finding us through Minds of Madness. So... Welcome. <laughs> You've got mail. <laughs> so she actually submitted one. She wants to know what our least favorite soap fragrance is. Melissa. So I yours? hate anything that's vanilla or coconut. I hate you. You stole my answer. Oh, really? Is that what you have? I am very adamant. There's no brown sugar. There's no vanilla. There's no coconut. Anything that smells like. The beach, right? Are you thinking like. I'm, I'm thinking sunscreen. No, no. Coconut. I just don't like because of sunscreen. Yeah. But like, you know, like the ones that are like warm vanilla, brown sugar. Yeah. Like, uh-uh. I just can't. I don't like uh-uh. it. Mm-mm. Yeah. But I, I would agree with you on that. But coconut, I feel like 90% of the year we have to wear sunscreen. So if I smell coconut somewhere else, I'm like, this just reminds me of just being sticky and sandy at the beach. Like, I don't need that any more of that in my life. I like lavender I'm okay with. I feel like everything's lavender now. Yeah. I don't know what I like, though. Now I'm wondering what I like. You know, like a long time ago when it was like a brand new thing, I used to really love things that smelled like cucumber. Melon. Oh, yeah. Cucumber melon cucumber was always really thing, good. Yeah. And so I also like ones that kind of smell like – there's one that you have here in your kitchen that smells Pomegranate. Really is that what it is? Yeah, and it's like a cheap Aldi brand. It was like a dollar. I love oh, it. Oh, I'm going to go get that. Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> good. Um, but then I like ones too. I've seen some that smell kind of like minty, like a light mint mm-hmm. kind of scent. I'm the, the worst boring conversation we ever had. <laughs> I'm way more passionate about scents I don't like. Yeah. Yeah. I'll take anything. Just don't give me any of your crappy coconut or warm but vanilla. I don't like anything that smells like sweet, like a dessert. I don't yeah, want to yeah. wash my hands. And be hungry. <laughs> or think I need to wash them again because it smells like I have food all over them. I don't want to chew on my fingers because I'm hungry. <laughs> Starving to death. <laughs> And our next one comes to us from another uh, member of our Facebook group, Brenny. And she's newish in our group, but I 
love this person. Mandy will not shut up about you, Brittany. She just talks about you all the time and she wants you to write jokes for her. It's I'm really worried about your safety at this point. Brittany is hysterical. So she asked us though um, how we like our eggs, but it's kind of an odd question because then she said she doesn't even like eggs. Well, she said she likes them in her cake and I think that's great. Like I like them in my cake. Yeah, where you can't taste them. Yeah. So anyway, a better question for me would be how I don't like my eggs because I will eat them anyway. Um, it's just green eggs and ham. That's why I have chickens to give me all the eggs I can handle. Um, no, I like them all kinds of ways. I like them scrambled with cheese. I like with cheese. With cheese. Has mm-hmm. to be with cheese. Um, I like them over easy. I like them fried in bacon grease. I'm currently on a kick of eating them poached, so I will just do that. I do that almost every day now. I'm sure I'll get tired of it eventually. Um Stop giving me to stare. I don't. At I'm just thinking. I don't even know what a poached egg is. Like I know the term, you but boil. I don't know. It's boiled it. out of the shell. What? <laughs> that sounds disgusting. No, it's so good. It's so good. And you know who recently started boiling eggs or poaching? It's not boiling because it's not like it's not like a hard boil. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Poaching not, sounds like you're killing eggs. No, you crack the egg into boiling water. Okay. And so it like stays together because it cooks right. like fast enough. But um, Farron, another listener of ours, started doing poached eggs. And um, I like to think it was because of me. It wasn't. <laughs> Get over yourself. <laughs> I love scrambled eggs with cheese. I could deal with fried eggs. If I think about eggs, I get really weirded out, like coming from chicken's <laughs> butts and all of like that kind of thing. But then if I... I just think like I'd rather eat steak, but then I'll think about where steak comes from. So I really just try to eat my food and never think about where it comes from. I can eat everything that way, Mandy. (laughs) I could eat plastic. It doesn't matter to me. But I, yeah, chicken. Oh, if eggs are runny at all, that makes me very, yeah, I don't You wouldn't like poached eggs then because that's how you eat them. Oh, no, ma'am. That sounds (laughs) terrible. It's just, oh, I just think of it. No, I can't even say. I like, um. Um, you wouldn't like it, obviously, if you don't hate like it already. Eggs, but where you do like the egg in a basket, they call it or egg in a hole. My mom used oh, to yeah, call we used it to do where that. you cut the, you know, yeah. in the toast, you cut the hole in the bread, and mm-hmm. you put it in the pan, and you crack the egg in the hole. Yeah, we used to do that when I was a kid. I didn't really like it then either. No, Mm-mm. but I love French toast. But I like everything. I like egg sandwiches. I like egg salad. Mm-hmm. I like no. eggs, eggs, eggs. I will eat eggs pretty much any way. Congratulations, Brenny. Of eggs. My chicken is going to hatch some out soon. So by the time this episode comes out, um, I will have baby chicks. That's so exciting. Yeah. I'm going to be a grandma, Melissa. Oh, my gosh. That is not how it works at all, Mandy. <laughs> and if you think that's how it works, I'm really worried about you. <laughs> no. So I have uh, – this is just kind of like a Mandy is going off on a tangent story. <laughs> I'm checking out, guys. See you next week. <laughs> but uh, no. So I have this hen who I have like brought back from the brink of death – twice now she has been in a couple of really weird accidents and I didn't know if she was going to make it through either one of them and the most recent one was actually not very long ago um, and I nursed her back to health I actually had her in my house in a cage and um, is this the one you tried to give me yes yeah no and I uh, yeah I tried to give this one to Melissa but um, now I'm glad I didn't because she's going to be a mom and I'm so happy that I saved her life twice so that she could go on and hatch out these baby chicks she's actually a surrogate mom she's not even it's sitting so on her boring. own eggs this is not boring. This is life. This is the miracle of life, and it's very exciting. So anyway, uh, by the time this episode comes out, I should have about a week-old baby chicks that I am sure I will be posting pictures of all over our Facebook group, Instagram, as many places as Melissa will let me post them. I can't really. wait to hide you. <laughs> Any final thoughts? 
No, this isn't Jerry Springer. We don't have final thoughts. We did last thing before we go. Oh, we have a promo for you guys this week. Make sure you check it out. And we'll see you guys next week. Bye. Bye. Hey, Lily. Oh, hey, Krista. Did you know, according to an unproven internet meme, you will cross paths with a murderer 36 times in your lifetime? I did know that, and you want to know why? I can guess. Because we're 36 Times, a Canadian true crime and comedy podcast, which covers crimes in the Great White North. Every episode, we focus on a major crime, and then we lighten things up with a kooky one. We cover everything from major cases and unsolved mysteries to peculiar getaway choices and animals behaving oddly. So catch our bi-weekly episodes on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts. Thanks so much for listening to the Moms and Murder podcast. Make sure to check back with us next week for a new episode. You can also find us at momsandmurder.com where you can connect with us via social media. Please make sure you subscribe and give us five stars because giving us four stars would be a crime. Thanks so much.